Hello, wonderful people of the world, and welcome to season three of Go Out and Talk to Strangers. This is Adi. I'm a nomadic architect and the founder of the new movement, architectural design studio that designs one-of-a-kind, innovative, and creative projects worldwide using the built environment as a tool to help people thrive. During my world travels, I'm constantly meeting incredible people. People who are reshaping the way we live, work, and connect. The reason I started this show is because I want to highlight the ones who are leading the way. This is the place where I host thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and founders of unique projects to share their stories and insights. I want to invite you to be part of the change. If you're looking for something bigger than yourself, if you also feel that we can do better, that standard is simply not good enough, you're in the right place. I hope you'll enjoy today's episode. I'm very, very excited to welcome to the show, Sam Delesque. Hey, Sam. Hey, Addy. Hi, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Super excited to, to speak about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to introduce you. Sam is a regenerative entrepreneur focused on developing new ways of living that are more connected with nature. He worked 10 years in tech before choosing to dedicate himself to creating a civilization that, is, that works for the planet. He's the co-founder of OESA, Rebuild Gathering, and TDF, which is a very interesting project in Portugal that we're probably going to cover. And he's, uh, may I say, you're a blockchain enthusiast? Uh, I've been getting more and more into it. <laughs> I do see the power of blockchain as a force for good. So, yes. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Amazing. Well, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you. Uh, I know you started your journey as a digital nomad as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely something that connects both of us here. Uh, and I mean, I love the idea that we can work and travel uh, at the same time and being able to, to do what we love around the globe. Uh, I think this is how you kind of started this podcast, maybe, or like kind of your lifestyle. Uh, and I think it's like also true for me, actually, like uh, I started the whole concept of, of OASA around the same time as I became a digital nomad, uh, as I was working remotely for an American company. Uh, and yeah, I would say the digital nomad scene is definitely like the, it's, it's like the group of people that has probably shaped uh, my view of the world the most in, in, the, in the last years. And yeah, basically started by attending events like Nomad Cruise and connecting with these kind of nomad entrepreneurs traveling the world and, and, and living everywhere. And this is a little bit where OASA came out from. Amazing. Yeah, it does really teach us so many ways of living, right? When we hang out with such a diverse group of people, people who grew up in different cultures. Where did you grow up in? I grew up mostly in the south of France, but... I moved back and forth between France and Denmark, and then I moved to New York when I was in my early 20s. Yeah, so you, you moved around, you experienced different cultures, and yet when you go on that remote work, digital nomadism lifestyle, we just keep discovering more and more amazing places and people and ways of living as ways of thinking. So tell me about OESA. How did it all start? Yeah, so it all started uh, about, let's say, four years ago. Um, I was living in New York back then, and I was 
longing for more connection with nature. And I was actually building a house in Philadelphia and and I was uh, thinking about, oh, like, should I build a sauna and so on? And it didn't really fully make sense. Mm. And then I was exploring, well, uh, how can we build these spaces in nature that gives us access to the resources we need as modern citizens? So access to co-working spaces, access to wellness areas, access to sovereign food systems and so on. And how can we basically build our lifestyle around, around that and creating those systems that can sustain us while giving us access to nature and being in a closer relationship with each other as well. Uh, because the whole point of these spaces is to live there with a community of people that you, uh, you believe in, that you thrive with, and you can support each other and inspire each other. So I so started scouting initially upstate New York and we came up with some concepts and actually we started off the whole OASA uh, concept with our architect of the time, Ian and Luke, who was a designer at the time. And we had a, a backcasting session. Um, so if you don't know what backcasting is, it's a, it's a tool where you project yourself in the future, let's say in 2050. That's what we did back then. Mm -hmm. And then you work your way back and you imagine what does 2050 look like? And you speak about that time in the present tense. So you really try to imagine what it looks like, what it feels like, what are all of the things that you can observe. Um, and then you can focus on like an ideal vision. Uh, and because it's so far ahead, you're not constrained by today's limitations. So you can really imagine the future that you want without feeling constrained by the present. And then once you created that perfect future, then you work your way back. And then you, you go back to to 2040 and what needed to happen in 2040 in order to achieve the vision and then what, what needed to happen in 2030 and so on. And, and so we did that for OASA and basically what the future we saw was uh, all of these technologies that are emerging today, they're enabling us to live more remote lives, to be closer to nature, to work from anywhere, to, to try to travel more easily with self-driving car and so on. Um, there's going to be a greater access to, yeah, greater access to the world. And, and like everything that we do today in the cities, we would basically be able to do it from anywhere. Uh, and so that was kind of the starting point of OASA, really anchoring ourselves like pretty far ahead in the future, but uh, close enough that we can actually imagine what it's going to be like Mm. Yeah, and then from that vision, then we really started to imagine how can we create a platform that can actually support a thriving nature, and uh, and that's really the goal of OASA is to create a business model that can really create a thriving nature and include ourselves in that equation. Uh, so so when members join OASA, they're they're making a statement. They're saying, I want to create a more beautiful thriving ecosystem and I'm going to put my money in that idea and my like I'm going to invest in, in a lifestyle that's a sustained nature and at the same time I'm still going to get access to those beautiful amazing places where I get access to, to an amazing community I get access to wellness areas I get access to co-working entrepreneurship opportunities maker spaces events uh, you name it Wow. Okay. I, I'm loving this tool that you just shared. It just looks so far into the future that you don't have any limitation. This is brilliant. 
I know when people do like a 10 year vision, five year vision, one year vision, right? Like New Year's resolution. But we always, I guess, limited by what we think is possible. But who knows what will be possible by then? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have this beautiful concept. And now you want to start making, like realizing it, right? Making it to a reality. How do you do that? Yes, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of challenges uh, in in trying to build uh, a civilization from, from the future. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Uh, yeah, no, I'm joking. But, but, but we're not afraid of challenges. And, and well, what, what they, like, personally, my, my journey was that I came to realize that this is my life journey. This is what I'm going to be working on for, if not the rest of my life, then at least most of it. And it's definitely always going to be part of my life. Uh, so whatever I'm doing now, I know that it's like for, for many, many years that I'm uh, starting it. So even though it's been four years and, you know, I'm not, uh, yeah, I, like I'm just like really committed to the vision. And I think when you're anchoring yourself in, in that vision, as uh, beautiful things start to emerge and you can really uh, create that future that you want. I think my, my one critique of, of digital nomads and, and nomads in general is um, I think they have commitment issues. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I think we have to find that right balance between committing to a future that you believe in uh, and not just fleeing from today's problems, uh, but, but actually anchoring this nomadic vision and ideals that, that we want to embody within a vision that we can, can connect with for, for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I can relate on that. <laughs> um, so you just chose the first location. How did that happen? The reason that I'm asking all the, those questions and I want to clarify is because a lot of the listeners of this podcast are looking to create something themselves or they want to join something that already exists. And we always see the wins, right? We always see the success stories like, oh, I had this idea, then I had this investor and poof, I have this uh, million dollar company. Life is more than that. And it's more about the small steps that we can do mm-hmm. in order to to execute that plan, to build that project, to to gather those people. So it is really interesting to know from someone who already started and have experience, mm-hmm. even if you have advice or, you know, looking back, uh, what would you have done differently? These are very, very valuable lessons. Yeah, 100%. So I think, first of all, a lot of people have had this dream, especially since like COVID hit and the whole world changed and so on. Yeah. Um, and I think we just need to realize that it's, it's a pretty old dream and a lot of people have had the same dream. So we don't have to reinvent everything from scratch. Like all the technologies that we need in order to build those regenerative villages already exists. Our, our role is not to invent it, it's to implement it and to bring more innovative ways um, in, into how we actually live together. And I want to stop you there because I think uh, that we should clarify on what regenerative is. Do you mind doing that? Yeah, great question. Because I think not everyone is familiar with that. They don't know that sustainable is like yesterday and now regenerative, it's the, the new thing. Amazing. Yeah, so thank you for asking. And actually, we I just came out of Rebuild Costa Rica. We had a small gathering there. Mm-hmm. Um, our co-founder, Nico, is building a village called the La Tierra there. And, and we actually had this very question uh, coming up and we did a session on it. And there was different definitions. I really like Nico's definition of it. Uh, and 
Uh, regeneration means uh, giving more than you take. And, and I think that's a really beautiful explanation of it. Uh, it's giving more than you take within the context of our relationships and rebuilding those relationships. It's the relationships with ourselves, with nature, with our community, and so on. And the lens through which we are looking at it uh, with, with rebuild and, and what a lot of eco-villagers have been doing it over time is looking at it from the social perspective, how, how are our relationships with the community, with, uh, with the locals, et cetera, et cetera, with indigenous people, what are our relationship with nature and the natural ecosystems, and then what are uh, relationships with the economics of the place. Uh, and so if you can create net positive relationships in all of those three areas, then you have a regenerative project. And this is exactly what we want to do in Portugal. Um, so we're trying to create a system that create positive externalities for all of those stakeholders. So, so a system that support a thriving nature. We want to foster more forests being produced, more carbon being put into the soil, more water being generated by our forests, uh, more clean air being produced by our forests, more food being produced by our forests. That's going to be beneficial to our members who are staying beneficial to the local um, to the local communities, the local town. So how can we support them in, in transitioning to a more regenerative lifestyle? Um, and, and I think maybe like a maybe like a maybe even broader definition of regeneration is like a system that creates more lives than it destroys. Oh, I I just love it. It's so beautiful. <laughs> you know, instead of just sustaining what we have, renewing it, reviving it, giving it more life, it just feels right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we have to come to to the realization that our civilization has not been regenerative, to say the least, but it's actually been degenerative, especially in the last 300 years, as we've seen a, a crazy explosion of human population. Uh, we have also seen us reaching the end of this seemingly infinite resources that nature is. So we really have to change this perspective of just being able to extract from the system and, for example, a living tree should be worth more than a dead tree. Uh, right now in the current system, a, a living tree doesn't provide any financial benefits, or at least not so many yet. Um, but if you cut down the tree, you can sell it for timber. So because of that uh, externality not being captured, like the tree, a living tree creates water, it captures water into the ground, it creates root systems that allows water to, to soak into the ground. And when you have a forest, it, it replenishes springs um, a tree creates clean air we literally we we exhale co2 and this tree inhales co2 and vice versa so so it's it's a it's a living organism and we're here to support each other and we kind of don't see it because of the scale of it so just because we see the tree as a finite resource that we can just cut down and use the timber to build something we don't see that on the planetary scale when everyone does that then all of a sudden we run out of resources and we we are basically depleting life and so so that's why we're degenerative as a civilization and that's why we are trying to move into a more regenerative paradigm where uh, we look at things from a holistic perspective and we can make decisions that affect like that create positive externalities for the entire uh, for the entire planet what you're doing in a way loving nature loving the planet but in a way, you're also creating a space that is also regenerative for humans to thrive in. 
Yeah. Um, I would really love if you can tell us a bit about the the ownership model that you developed. Yeah, I love that question um, because I think people, when they think about you know planetary regeneration or how we're going to solve the climate crisis and and all of these big questions, it, it gets really stuck in a kind of abstract layer that's really hard to to take action on. Um, so what we want to do is bring all of that down into day to day. How do we actually live that, and how do we create positive externalities to the planet just by living on day to day life? Yeah. So I mean, obviously, like, so when you when you take that metal layer of the, the climate and all those things, uh, you you externalize it, so you project it. Uh, whereas if you if you try to bring it inside yourself and you try to to see how you can live a more regenerative life yourself. That becomes a personal journey, and and then you go into a space of self regeneration, and that, this is really what it's about. It's uh, we kind of lost our ways with with this uh, global systems that we created that are dehumanizing everything uh, from like big tech and politics and and the whole the whole system the way the system works. Um, it it doesn't really allow us to to just be. Uh, if if we can have a closer relationship to to nature, and if we realize that we're part of nature, and that when we breathe, we breathe what the trees are exhaling, and the trees are breathing what we are exhaling, and when you realize that it's all these relationships, and that we're just like part of a whole, this is how we can regenerate ourselves. And I think there's a big learning in just slowing down and observing and. And just really reconnecting with the systems that surround us. It's like it's really about rebuilding those relationships. Where does our food come from? Where does our happiness come from? And how can we actually create like support those systems um, on a on a more local scale? And yeah, we one of our co-founders for Rebuild Costa Rica, Alex, uh, she's hosting this great uh, retreat called Anteliki. And this is what it's all about. It's about how can we actually regenerate ourselves, and what does it mean to regenerate ourselves? And if we stop um, perceiving the world as like as something external to ourselves, and if we become the world, if we can come from 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 the inner and and then going out to the outer, uh, this is a way that we can actually achieve regeneration and how we can support more life, um, because we 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 know what what destroys life and and we know when we are consuming things that are destroying us we uh, we know it somewhere in our subconscious um, and it's just a matter of making that conscious effort to to actually do the things that, that are right for us yeah you know in a way growing up we all i guess were affected by this idea that we have to work a lot of hours uh, so we can afford a certain lifestyle, so we can consume certain things that we actually don't really need. <laughs> and that's very liberating to know that we don't actually have to do all of that. And if we can be in service of others and share our gifts, uh, we will be able to have more time to actually live rather than just work and work to pay for things that we don't need. Exactly. I think the big the big crisis is a crisis of purpose and a crisis of meaning. We've, we've lost the sense of meaning. We, we, uh, humans used to believe in gods and goddesses and, and all of these things that actually used to be much more correlated to, to nature. And as we transition into bigger and bigger systems, 
all of the all of that became more abstract and we kind of lost a sense of divine and so it's about recreating the sense of divine within ourselves and finding that we can actually we can be in this uh in this beautiful state of nature that where we support each other and we support the, the life around us um amazing yeah it sounds very utopic but yeah i mean we're, we're trying to and i mean all that we can do is just yeah it's just trying to to live by by those ideals and and what we're trying to do in portugal is really yeah just trying that and creating a, a new kind of lifestyle that you can plug into as a modern citizen and really about connecting with nature giving more space and time to do what we love so everything that we're doing is about reducing the, the burdens that you have as a as a modern citizen on external systems so for example uh We want to enable you to be able to live for, uh, well, if not free, then like much cheaper than, than you're used to because you actually invest in a system that sustains you rather than a system that's trying to extract value from you. So we don't have any uh, profits involved at OASA, for example. It's 100% co-owned. And we're still working on the token model a little bit, but basically the ownership model is that you're going to have a non-profit that holds the land, the land title, Uh, and so we can ensure that the land is going to be protected for, uh, if not forever, at least for future generations. And can trying to get into this mindset that, uh, yeah. So the ownership model we are we're looking into is uh, creating a model where um, that protects the land that takes it out of the speculative uh, real estate market. Um, so we're taking land out of the private market, putting it into a regenerative land trust. Um, Land trust don't exist in Portugal, so we're creating our own kind of version of that, which is a non-profit, uh, which is going to be governed by a DAO. Um, so we're bringing... DAO, wait. <laughs> okay, yeah, you have to explain that also, I think, for people who are less familiar with that. Yeah, so a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. Um, you can also call it a decentralized human organization, DHO. This is what some other people have been calling it. Um, or decentralized community, but basically it, it comes down to uh, it's just a system of governance um, that's trying to take a few steps uh, on top of what we created with democracy and inventing new ways that we can govern and uh, collaborate as a species. So it's bringing coordination tools uh, to, to humanity. Mm. Um, So you can think of it as, I mean, in some instances, it replaces a company or, or other things, but really it's, it's, you're creating a whole economic system. And so it's a little bit co complicated to grasp, but uh, a lot of the times these DAOs uh, issue their own currency, for example, and, and you create, uh, you basically design all the incentive systems for how you, your community operates. Um, and so in, in our case, we're taking, uh, we're creating an economic system that disincentivizes speculation, uh, and that incentivizes free generation. Um, and so the way that we do that is by, um, well, first of all, by putting the land into a nonprofit. So we are, we're saying, we're very clearly, if you want to be an OASA member, you have to agree that you're not going to be in this ownership and extractive mentality. But you're going into a stewardship mentality where you agree that we are buying this land collectively to protect it for future generations looking 
into seven generations, just like the indigenous people used to do, mm. and thinking about shifting the perspective of like whatever we do should actually have a positive impact for for future generations. Yeah. So if you cut down a tree today, you might earn a few euros or dollars or whatever for the timber. But how is that going to affect you know your children and your grandchildren and so on? And and it, when you start having that perspective, it really changes your ways that you interact with the world. And and so then on on top of that, once you put the land into a regenerative land trust, then we have to we still want to be able to give something to the members, and and the members get the utility of the space. So the members get access to beautiful natural spaces, which essentially function almost like natural reserves. Um, and and within our la- regenerative land use agreement, we're actually going to be putting pretty stringent rules for how how we can operate and how we can play within that land. So, for example, we're only going to be developing 5% of the land that we're acquiring. Mm. The other 95% are going to be nature. So we are, uh, and by nature, it doesn't mean that we can't do anything with it. It just means that we are actually going to be creating more life on that soil. We're going to be planting trees, uh, whether it's like food forests or just reforestation or whatever it is, but um, we're going to be protecting those areas. So when we're going to be getting into purchasing uh, larger pieces of land, which we intend to do starting probably next year, um, we really want to look at how can we create a regenerative living model. So how can we do that in different contexts? Right now we're doing it in Portugal, but we're looking to do it in uh, potentially Brazil, uh, in the rainforest, where we've been talking with some partners there. Uh, we would like to do something maybe in the green belt in, in Africa, mm-hmm. a big green belt project, which is basically trying to prevent the desertification from happening. Um, the Sahara is progressing every year. It's uh, more and more land is drying up and just turning into deserts. Uh, and I think there's a lot of beautiful examples around the world that we can really be inspired by. If you look at uh, Petra in Jordan, Petra used to be a, a space for, for a thriving civilization. And you have still all these beautiful architectures there. But it's just a desert. There's no life anymore. It's just completely dead. It's just a bunch of rocks. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really good thing to consider is, uh, yeah, like just because humans are thriving today, like if you look at a city like New York or whatever, there's so much life and everything. But but if, you know, if that became a desert, what would that look like? And so we have to remember that we are part of nature. And if there's no food growing around, well, we're not going to be there. We're not, if there's no water, if there's no, no air, we're not going to be thriving. Uh, so we yes. have to remember to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. So let's say a member, an OSA member can live part-time in one of your locations. Yeah, so basically we are tokenizing the utility of the spaces, meaning that when you contribute to the projects, when you contribute to being a steward, when you contribute by taking land out of the public market and protecting it, then as a side benefit, we give you access to these spaces and we want to create the most beautiful spaces so that you actually want to spend your time there and so that you can actually thrive yourself because we're also part of nature. And so by creating wellness, co-working, event spaces, maker spaces, uh, all of these facilities, um, we, we want to enable you to thrive and to do what you love doing. And because you own a share in the network, that means that you don't have to pay rent anymore. You own the the right to, to live where you live and and you're 
part of co-creating solutions that make you thrive as well as the environment around you. Amazing. And is there a is there a limitation of how many people can join? Is it like one uh, thousand members only, or it depends on how many locations you open? Yeah. So our objective is to open ten to twelve spaces around the world. Um, we see ourselves as really like an incubator slash prototype for for how this kind of regenerative civilization can be. We don't see ourselves as incubating all of humanity into our system. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and, makes sense. And, and I think the, the numbers that we're targeting for is something like 300 members being able to stay at, uh, at any time in, in all of those spaces, because that's the size of mm -hmm. your extended tribe. Like you have the done band number at around 150. Um, and essentially, we want to have those different spaces around the world with a tribe of people that you kind of connect with that have the same vision and dreams. And we see this emerging as like kind of a, a like these global tribes that are not bound by geography, but that are bound more by cultural belonging. And so Oasa is one tribe. We have our ideals, we have our visions. Um, we have this network of beautiful people that are really into entrepreneurship and creativity and so on. Uh, but in, in some ways, a whole, our whole model is really radical. And so we want to be pioneering it and we want to be open sourcing the technologies, um, the, the tech platform that we're developing for, for the, for the, for the network. Um, we're open sourcing it under a project called Closer. And so Closer is already up and operational and it's, uh, powering other platforms like Rebuild, like Rebundance, which is a regenerative leadership school in, in Lisbon. Um, it's empowering Refi Spring, which is a series of regenerative finance events. Uh, so using crypto uh, for, for for positive planet impact. Um, mm -hmm. And then we also want to open source all of our legal models. Uh, like, how do you actually do this kind of decentralized land ownership and protecting the land? So how does that work? Um, yeah, so I, I don't want to get too much into specifics because we're not uh, we're not legal yet. We're still working on the structure with the lawyers, so we can't announce everything yet. Uh, but if everything goes well, we're gonna be able to announce the tokens in the next two to three months. Um, and yeah, we're doing a utility token. That's what I can say. Um, and yeah, so essentially all. Our nonprofit is what's going to be uh, holding the assets, and this is yeah what enables us to to give guarantees to token holders that the spaces are actually going to remain in 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 an entity that they can access and control. Um, and then yeah, we're looking into decentralized governance systems that we can use for how do we actually vote on things within the village how do we decide where to where to take things and what to build and how to how to operate um, and exploring yeah more modern types of voting systems like uh, whether it's going to be conviction voting or quadratic voting uh, creating the right incentive so uh, someone who has a lot of money can just come in and like overthrow all the principles of the systems for example uh, creating these kind of safeguards for how we can actually ensure that the, the vision of the project is maintained for the 
for the long future ahead for the next generations. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. So when you say token, you mean blockchain-based tokens. Is it correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're we exploring how we can use blockchain technology to to essentially provide access to the project to a larger pool of participants um, instead of doing mm -hmm. like a company or, I mean, there is a company involved, but um, instead of yeah going the traditional route, we are trying to create more financial inclusion and make it more widely available to, to people who want to, to transition into this lifestyle. Uh, but we're going to be pu publishing all of the findings in, in a white paper and sharing all of those documents with the world as soon as we are live. So hopefully by like June 2022, that's when we are hoping that all of this will be done and then we'll be able to, to share it and enable other people to start their own own projects using the same kind of frameworks and ideas and, and tools. That's really amazing. Yeah, I'm going to put in the show notes uh, all the links, all the relevant links, and also if anyone wants to connect with you, uh, support, be part of the project, you're very, very welcome to talk with Sam. Uh, I think it's, you know, using blockchain technology for that, it's absolutely incredible. One of the things that we can see in the world is people who are longing to belong, to be part of something. But at the same time, I think in a way we lack trust. For example, a CV, when you see someone's CVs, well, it's a story a person tells about himself. And if I want to, how can I know who is this person or will that freelancer that I hire is going to keep up with his words, with his promise, is going to deliver in time or not. So now we have all those different systems that are trying to mediate and, and help us work within those relationships of trust because there are so many people in the world. We don't know each other anymore. It's not like that small village tribe we used to have. But then when this technology comes and actually allows trust when you have something written down in a smart contract. It's there forever. You don't have to have a third party enforcing it. It's just the way it is. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to see what frameworks uh, you're working with, you're developing. I think it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm so happy uh, to have people like you on this planet, Sam. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, when I talk about blockchain, a lot of the time I just hear about, you know, how it's energy intensive and all that. Um, so, so just to clarify, like, uh, using newer generation blockchain, like there's basically zero impact, um, from like an energy consumption perspective. Um, but, and what it really enables us is to create these coordination systems at scale and it, it allows us to take out the middleman. So, like today, if you're starting a project, you're going to have to to put your trust in, in third parties, which is I mean, when you're dealing with land and so on, that usually is like the government and local authorities and all this kind of stuff. Uh, blockchain holds the power to, to take away that middleman and to just enable us to trust each other directly because it's written in a way that, that can't be uh, mutated by, by malicious actors. Um, and so, I mean, just for the utility of it, it it's going to make it so much easier to, to get access to those lands. I'm super excited for the time when, you know, we can have, uh, different tokens for different properties. So you'll be able to just, 
you know, if I want to move to Portugal instead of having to go through a whole process of finding real estate, buying real estate and, and all of the things attached with that, if I can just, you know, buy some tokens that correspond to occupancy in a space, um, and then I can swap those tokens for occupancy in another place if I move to South Africa or whatever it is. Um, so I think that's really exciting. And then baking in regenerative principles into those economic systems so we actually support a thriving nature at the same time as uh, we're creating more seamless economic systems. Um, and this is what the whole refi movement is about, the whole regenerative finance movement. And we're working with a lot of carbon-based uh, projects, and we're actually going to be implementing one at TDF this year. Um, it's called Open Forest Protocol, and it's a monitoring project where basically it enables us to track um, the, the growth of biomass on our land over time uh, that we are achieving by refor reforesting the land. And then because we have this proved uh, traceability of the impact and quantitative metrics about our impact, that means that we can actually go out there and uh, and sell that to, to companies that want to offset their carbon, for example. So we can basically issue carbon credits for it. Uh, and that's some areas that are pretty exciting about using blockchain technologies to create the transparent systems that you can use at a global level um, to create the right economic incentives to support regeneration and positive externalities. Wow. The end of greenwashing. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. Oh, wow. That sounds incredible. And, and it feels like just the beginning. We're still discovering these technologies. I think most people, if you go to the street, probably nine out of 10 still don't know how to use that. Mm -hmm. And but we're going to see that more and more. Yeah, it's definitely accelerating. I mean, in El Salvador, Bitcoin is a legal tender now, and you're seeing everyone starting to use it. I mean, even people earning 20, 20 euros a day or whatever it is uh, down there, they're starting to use it. And and it, it, it allows it to recreate trust. Um, like the big economies, uh, the US dollar and the euro and so on, they have been pumping out uh, liquidity uh, over the last couple of years, especially, mm -hmm. uh, and so the that that is eroding the trust that those big institutions have, uh, and more importantly, like the ways that 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 liquidity is being used is uh, degenerative and it's count, totally counter, counterproductive. We're supporting huge military industrial complexes that are enslaving people, creating wars in uh, other sides of the planet. Um, whereas blockchain has this capability to bring the economies, uh, the economics of those systems down on a more human level and more human scale, um, where we can actually see the, the relationships and we can create beneficial relationships with each other and with nature. Yes. Do you know that saying where uh, they say that every time that you buy something, you vote? Right. So every time you spend your mm -hmm. money in either uh, a family business or a big chain, you actually vote who do you want to see growing in this world. So now it's not only about where do you spend your money, it's like which system are you using to do so? Mm -hmm. That's very, very interesting. 
Um, okay, yeah, we're coming to an end. And before we end this episode, there is one question that I ask all my guests. And I think with you, it's going to be especially interesting. Uh, so this question is called the wild napkin. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So you go into a bar and you have a couple of drinks and your mind is really, really free. I don't know if you drink, but let's say you do. And then all of a sudden you have the craziest idea, but all you have is a napkin. So you write it down and the next day you find it in your pocket. What does it say? <laughs> Hmm. I have no idea. I, I feel like I had so many. Actually, like the the <laughs> the pink paper. So the pink paper is a document that describes how we want to live together at traditional dream factory. It actually started on a napkin, mm -hmm. <laughs> on a pink napkin. Ooh, I love it. Okay. <laughs> we were in Mexico with with Annie, and uh, we were eating um, uh, tlayudas. It's kind of like a quesadilla. Uh, in Oaxaca, and uh, and we had some uh, pink paper napkin that we started writing the pink paper on. <laughs> oh my God! So you're already living your pink paper, your your pink napkin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been uh, making iterations on the napkin ideas for for a couple of years now. Wow. Okay, that's that's mind blowing. I think that's the first time that someone is actually uh, executing his napkin idea already when we speak. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing, Sen. Thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, where is the best place to connect with you? Uh, yeah, you can check out oasa.co. Um, that yeah, that's the best place, and you can reach me at sam at oasa.co. Perfect. Okay, and I'll make sure to put it uh, in the show notes. Thank you again for being with us today. And thanks everyone for spending your time with us. Thank you, Adi. And until the next time, go out and talk to strangers. Thank you very much and have a beautiful day. Hi again. I hope you liked today's episode. If you learned something new, make sure to pay it forward and share it with someone in your network that might like it as well. Follow the show and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. As you know, I love to hear from you. If you have a thought or a question regarding today's episode, go to the New Movement website. That's www.thenewmvt.com and use the contact form to leave us a comment. Thank you for being part of the change. I'll see you next time.